The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Hey everybody, before we jump into our series today, um, we wanted to let you know something. Uh, Andrew and Amanda, uh, they've been our Snohomish campus pastors for the last, uh, going on two years now, but um, they had a baby back in, in February, Ellis, and we've been praying every day for Ellis, and um, it's been a, a tough journey. Ellis was in critical care really for the entirety of that time, and just a few days ago, Ellis passed away. And so I wanted to encourage you to be prayerful um, for Andrew and for Amanda, for Liddy, and for June. Um, they have a, a large extended family that we adore, that we love so much. And I just want to encourage you to be prayerful, just be in prayer for them. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll get to the message. So thanks. God, we thank you for being the God of all comfort. And I don't claim for a moment to understand um, why everything happens, but I know that you are still near and the scriptures remind us that you are close to the brokenhearted, that you bind up wounds. And so I pray for your comfort um, to surround the family, God. I pray for Amanda. And I pray for Andrew, God, that they would know the work of your spirit in the midst of all that they're navigating. God, help us as a church family to love them well in this season. We're grateful for your work. We need you um, now as much as ever. So we thank you for your work in this situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you got a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we'll also be in Matthew 18 for a little bit, so you can go ahead and turn there. Um, I don't do things like you, and um, I do things my way. In fact, my way is always better. It's just a simple fact. Okay, I'm just kidding. Um, but the truth remains that we all have our way of doing things. I've joked many times on a Sunday about how I pour my milk when I eat cereal. I pour my milk first and then little batches of cereal so it doesn't get soggy. I've shared that before. I've shared before that um, I prefer to write with pencil and I love a wood pencil. Dixon Ticonderoga number twos um, are the ones I use. Um, and so that's kind of my thing. Um, about a month ago, it was National Peanut Butter and Jelly Day. It was April 2nd. And um, that's my favorite sandwich, creamy peanut butter with strawberry jam. Um, and so what I did was on social media, I posted a picture of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I had for dinner. I, I posted it open face so you could see the jelly and see the peanut butter. Um, and um, it was amazing because when I posted the picture, um, I got roasted by quite a few people when I put it online. Um, here's some of the comments that, that were on there. White bread, not very healthy. Another one was, he's given PB&J a bad name. What's wrong with that sandwich? And then there was this one, and this one had a whole string of comments below it, but it started with this. What do you have against evenly distributing contents to the edges of this poor sandwich? And then it just keeps going. Well, he's a rookie. Next comment. Yes, that really bothers me about this picture. Is he not eating the crust? Why not spread to the edges so each bite is equally delicious? Agreed. Um, another comment. He has really let us down. If that's what he does with sandwiches, how will he lead us? Sorry, Nick. I'm going to see myself out. And then keep going. It just says, yeah, something's not right with a person that doesn't know how to evenly, uh, evenly coat the bread all the way to the sides. And on and on and on it goes. And I know it was all in good humor and it, it's hilarious. But the, the simple fact is, um, I think a lot of you are just meanies. And the truth is that I have got a message for you today, so don't you dare turn this off if you made one of those comments. Anyway, I'm kidding. But um, 
In our Welcome to the Jungle series, we're talking about the jungle of relationships in which you and I exist, from family relationships, immediate family in a home, to extended family and relatives, to the community, to the friendships that we have. We're talking about the jungle of relationships. And the fact is, it's not easy. And then when we talk about I do things my way, other people do things their way, the simple fact is it isn't easy because we do things differently, but we also think differently. We behave and believe differently. We have different personalities. When we actually do do something, it may not be at the same pace as those around us. The difference between how I load the dishwasher and how my kids load the dishwasher is substantial. The definition of a clean room to a mom and a dad compared to kids might be vastly different. Good music, everybody has different opinions. A good movie or their favorite movie, different opinions. Um, when you need to get gas in your car, there are people that if it gets close to a quarter of a tank, it's time to get gas. I'm the guy that runs it all the way down to can I get to zero miles before I need gas? And my wife is definitely not that way. Um, what's funny to me isn't necessarily funny to you. And the simple fact is these differences on one hand can be lighthearted and silly. On another hand, they can feel kind of serious. And on a whole nother level, they can feel pretty tragic. And so when we have this conversation, the truth is this is enough sometimes to drive people nuts. Um, as we begin this series, Welcome to the Jungle, a couple of weeks ago, um, we're, we're talking about 1 Corinthians 13, but the backstory really briefly is that the church in Corinth was so multicultural, and there were so many differences in, in the ways that they approached certain things that they had all kinds of infighting and factions and divisions and issues that Paul wanted to clear up. And so we talked about that when we opened this series. And then he went into, let me give you some guardrails on how to exist together in a healthy way. And then he gets to 1 Corinthians. Corinthians 13. And so last week, we actually dove into just the first three verses where Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but don't have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And then he talks about if I have, if I can prophesy, if I can give all I possess to the poor, do all these things, but if I don't have love, it's worthless. It's meaningless. And then he gets into what love looks like. And it says this, 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so we're going to jump into these verses and I'm going to stop and pray and then we'll dive in. Really, we're just going to tackle the very first portion of this text. Let's pray. Father, today I pray for all of us, God, to have open hearts for how you want us to live in love, that Paul paints a picture for us to understand in the jungle of relationships, similar to the church in Corinth, that things were crazy and messy and culturally diverse. God, they needed desperately to operate in love. We in our families, we in our communities, we in all of our friendships and, and, and the workplaces we go to, we need to operate in the kind of love that you want. Otherwise, you say everything is meaningless. So help us understand as we jump in today to what love is in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, when you read uh, verses four through eight, it describes this whole thing, a diatribe about love. And it's amazing. It's powerful. 
But the simple fact is, it sets a standard that you and I can't meet. The truth is, when you look at this kind of love, it's the kind of love that our Heavenly Father has for us through Christ. But here's what it means. It doesn't just mean Christ can love that way, but we can't. What it means is this. Let that kind of love fill you so that that kind of love overflows into the relationships all around you. And that's what I want to get to today. I want you to consider what kind of love Christ gives to you so that you can overflow with that love into how you parent or what kind of friend you are or what kind of son or daughter that you are, what kind of neighbor that you are. I want this kind of love to be the identifying mark of you and I as we navigate a world that desperately needs the love of Jesus Christ. And so let's go ahead and jump in. Like I said, we're barely going to get into this today, but it starts with this. Love is patient. Isn't it crazy that Paul starts with that? Isn't it amazing that for some reason here, he puts that as the very first marker of love? The right kind of love that Christ has for you and I is patient. And there's no doubt when you think about all that God has done in Christ for us, that we can be forgiven of all the sins we've ever committed is because of Christ. That's an amazing, amazing love. Love is patient. When you look at the dictionary definition of patient, it says this, able to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. I read that and to be honest with you, it's convicting for me. I can read that and go, sermon over, let's pray and be done. That right there is convicting enough. Let me read it again. The dictionary version of the word patient, able to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. Ouch. When you look at this word and you see it this way, I can think of Every single day, moments where I become a little bit annoyed, moments where I become a little bit anxious, or moments where I'm full-blown frustrated, I'm full-blown full of anxiety, and I'm not operating well. And the fact is, I think for you as well, it's a challenge to live being patient. The Greek form of this word actually means this, taking a long time to boil. And that for you and me, man, I'll be honest with you, even as I study this topic for this message, it's like, gosh, I can't preach this because I'm not sure I passed the test very well. I don't always take a long time to boil. There are moments where I feel like, holy smokes, I feel full of frustration and it almost came out of nowhere. And so as I'm looking at this, it's like, man, I really could use some work through the Holy Spirit in my life. And I believe that you probably can as well. Um, from the Latin it's, it's the root word for suffering. Being patient is the root word for suffering. It's, it's no wonder. I was thinking about this. The word patient and the word patient, um, I can understand why they're the same word. Here's what I mean. Obviously, the word patient is how I defined it a minute ago. Then you think about a patient in a hospital. It's the idea, well, well they're suffering from some kind of sickness, and so they need to be patient being the patient. I just thought that was a little bit comical to think about, like, no wonder they're called patients. Um, there, there's something about the world that you and I live in that, that what we want, when we want it, and how we want it is how we operate. It, it really becomes sort of a, a, a things on my terms type of world. 
And so when you look at this word, love is patient, and then the next word is this. It says, love is patient, love is kind. Now, here's the thing that I think is amazing. Um, Patience and kindness go together. Paul starts with patience as the beginning of what it means to love, which is convicting for you and me. But then he, he moves on to love is patient, love is kind. John Ortberg, I've always loved his writing. He's got a lot of great books. But one of the things he said in one of the books I read a while ago is this. Um, it's impossible to hurry and love at the same time. And that's plenty of food for thought for another day. It's impossible to hurry and to love at the same time. I would add to that when you're looking at this list that Paul writes, I would add to that Um, it's impossible to be impatient and kind at the same time because impatient people have a hard time being kind. I can think of the times where I've needed to repent for being impatient and I look at exactly how it played out and it had everything to do with I wasn't being very kind. And so when Paul says love is patient, love is kind, kindness is the outflow of you and I living in patience. They go together. If love starts with with patience, it leads to kindness. In another letter that Paul writes, Colossians actually, um, he puts these words all together. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I say that because that's a whole study in, in five different words that all are grouped together intentionally from Paul in Colossians chapter 3. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. They all work together. It starts with patience because patience leads to kindness. Now, Matthew chapter 18, I mentioned it a little bit ago. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 23, there's a story that is shared from Jesus, a parable actually, that Jesus shares with his disciples. And it goes like this, Matthew 18, starting in verse uh, 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, millions of dollars, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he have be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. See that right there? Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, $15,000, let's say. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. The same phrase the first guy used. He says, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called in his servant. Listen to this. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now listen to verse 35. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. 
See, it's a crazy story and it's meant to be um, exaggerated on purpose because we look at this first person and go, what kind of, of, of moron would be forgiven millions, if not a billion dollars, and get so worked up over $15,000. But the simple truth that Jesus is trying to make is he's talking to your heart and to my heart. Notice that both times the person in, 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 the, in the subservient position says, be patient with me. They begged for patience. Why? Because they owed a debt that they couldn't pay. And the simple fact is, for you and me, man, we desperately need God's patience. But here's the best news of all. God has already extended us so much patience. God is always so very patient with us. And and so it's a reminder that we desperately receive God's patience because we need it. But it also means that we need to be giving God's patience to others. The simple fact is we need to extend that kind of patience because of how God has been patient with us. Have you ever wondered why it seems like you and I can be the most impatient with the people that are closest to us? We can look at someone that we admire from a distance and and think about, man, how fun would it be to hang out with them? What a perfect person. How amazing would that be? And then we, we are are around the people that are closest to us and, and we don't have grand thoughts. We tend to feel annoyed. I think of like um, your little brother and think, man, he's annoying. Or, you know, my dad, he's so lame. You know, my, my wife, if, if, if I only knew what I know, if I only knew then what I know now. And we have all these kind of thoughts that are impatient towards the people closest to us. And it's because when you see them frequently and you know their flaws, and you're growing tired of how annoying they actually are, the simple fact is you're that way too. I'm that way too. We need to be patient with each other because that's what love is. Let me tell you for a a second where this leads when we don't walk in patience. I think of the adage, familiarity breeds contempt. Going back to the question, why is it that we're so impatient with those that are closest to us? Let me, let me walk you through this. I just typed this out. As you and I entertain in our minds the annoyances with those that we love, it becomes frustration. They don't do things my way. Basically, we aren't getting what we want, how we want it. They think different. They do different. They drive me crazy because that's not how I think or what, what I would do. It comes back to it's not how we want it. And so where it leads is this. We're not getting what we want. And that brings a disdain. And disdain means we dwell on the negative of the other person. Okay? But that's progressive too. It doesn't end there. If we're not careful, everything becomes disdainful. Oh, I can't handle how they chew their food. The sock is hanging out of the hamper. Can't they just tuck it in? Why did they park the car three feet off from where it's supposed to be parked like it normally is? Over and over, we think of they don't do enough around the house. They don't like the same shows that I like. We're going to have this for dinner again and on and on and on the thoughts go. And what happens is a devaluing. And that devaluing leads to contempt. And let me just tell you this right now. When contempt remains, it becomes, listen, emotional distance, relational distance, and then physical distance. And that's how 
you can end up sitting down with a friend or sitting down with a counselor or sitting down with a pastor 20 years down the road and saying something like this, I haven't talked to my mom in 20 years. It's because at some point or another, you allowed something that started out as annoying to become troublesome, to become disdainful, and your mind continued to be negative about it, and it bred contempt, and it led to the distancing that all of a sudden, decades go by, and the relationship has been cold and basically forgotten. It's not supposed to be that way. It comes back to how God wants us to exist. And now I will show you the most excellent way. Love is patient. Love is kind. We're going to talk about the other words in the coming weeks, but let me just say this. The anchor today, and I know it's a little bit cheesy because it rhymes, but I thought maybe it would help us remember. The more patient we can be, the less conflict we will see. The more patient we can be, the less conflict we will see. When you and I can be patient with people around us, We don't have nearly as many interactions that are tense and frustrating and annoying. And God wants us to walk that patience out because it means setting aside our own way of thinking and doing and offering grace to those that don't do things the same way we do. I was reading an article um, from a website, carrynewoff.com, and his wife put together an article um, just in, in, in framing the family dynamic um, of this uh, pandemic situation and, and shelter at home and families that are together a lot. And, and she mentioned something about family voice. And I've totally noticed this in me at different times when I, when I feel like I'm like scolding my kids or trying to give them the speech or something that corrects their behavior. She calls it family voice. Let me read this. Ever heard of family voice? It's the irritated, demanding, rushed, and sometimes half-panicked voice you find yourself using at home and pretty much nowhere else (laughs) because you know that you wouldn't make it, uh, sorry, you wouldn't make your way in the world using that tone. Maybe you don't even use that tone at home most of the time, but when you're under pressure, underslept, and depleted, your family voice comes out of nowhere. Even the best of us risk losing civility under stress, but in your marriage, kindness and peace can take you much further. There's no better time than now to start creating the calm inside your relationship that everything about this crisis is working against. Start here. Listen to this. When tensions mount in your relationship, make a pact to start simply walking away at the right time. Agree to a signal between the two of you in advance that means this— It's time to park the conversation where it is and come back later when you're both in a better space. This is the patience to stop and cool off before things get worse. That's the kind of self-control that you and I desperately need in all of our relationships before something becomes a blow-up that ruins the relationship. As parents, as siblings, as friends, as coworkers, as family members, Heather and I have talked a lot this past year about this phrase, make room for each other's faults. Paul says that in Colossians 3, verse 13. And we were just talking about how it really is so needed in all of our relationships. It's not because we were in a bad place or, or our kids are terrible or we hate each other. It's simply that reminder that we always need for every relationship. Make room for each other's faults. We don't all do things exactly the same. 
So as we begin to wrap up today, here's a couple of questions that I just want you to process. And again, I've encouraged you in the past to write these down. Um, we'll put them up on our on our Facebook page so you can um, copy them if you need to. But if you got a pen and pencil, Dixon Ticonderoga number two with you right now, um, you can write these down. Starting with, with question one, I'm going to give you the definition again and go to the question. As I said earlier, the dictionary defines, pa- defines patience as able to accept or tolerate delays problems, or suffering without becoming anxious or annoyed. According to that definition, how patient am I? And again, you could say on a scale of one to 10, if you want to. Um, The other definition I mentioned way back at the beginning is this, how slow am I to boil? The Greek for patience means slow to boil. How slow am I to boil? Question two, Do I really understand how much God has forgiven me? If you and I could wrap our heads around the amount of forgiveness that we've received and will continue in his grace to receive, oh my word, that should bring such a humility to the relationships that we operate in every day. Do I really understand how much God has forgiven me? Question three, do I grasp how patient God is with me? Similar to forgiveness, but a little different. Do I grasp how patient God is with me? Do I grasp how patient others are with me? Sometimes we see others' faults thinking we do everything right. When the truth is, hey, we have just as many faults as others. We we drive the others nuts just as much as they drive us nuts. Final question. Who tests my patience? What would it look like to extend kindness to them this week. Who tests my patience? What would it look like to extend kindness to them this week? Finally, um, Max Lucado has been, again, another favorite author of mine from way back as a brand new Christian. I've been reading his books. But in one of the books, he talks about um, these verses and he brings up 1 Corinthians 13 and says, what if you were to replace your name with the word love? in 1 Corinthians uh, 13 verses four through eight. It would go like this. Nick is patient. Nick is kind. Nick doesn't envy. Nick doesn't boast. He isn't proud or rude or self-seeking. Nick doesn't dishonor others. He isn't easily angered. Nick doesn't keep any record of wrongs. Nick doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects. He always trusts. He always hopes. He always perseveres. Nick never fails. (laughs) It feels really awkward to put my name there. And I would imagine, I would encourage you to do that same exercise. It's going to feel awkward for you too. But it's simply because it's a challenge, that tension inside of us. I don't measure up to that yet. But by the grace of God, what does it look like for me to grow in these areas? Finally, and I'm going to pray. In the message version of of verse four, it says this, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Let me pray. Jesus, it is a tall order to love the way that Paul reminds us to. But he doesn't say it because it's impossible. He says it because he realizes this is the best way to live. And we can't do it without 
the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, as we look at 1 Corinthians 14, right after this, he's gonna, he's gonna talk about some of the works of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that we desperately need in our lives. And I pray for each of us to live in a place of surrender that, that every one of us would, I believe, be able to confess, we don't measure up to this kind of love, but I'm grateful that Jesus modeled it for us and that we we can receive it and that it would so fill every one of our lives with such a gratitude for all you've done that it produces a humility in who we are that we're beginning to operate differently, that we can begin to say, hey, love is patient and I'm getting it. And it's it's helping me operate in kindness. God, help us live it out in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for taking the time today to be with us. Um, encourage you to continue to stay connected and take a moment and fill out that connect card down below on the screen. So God bless. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.